Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Yo, I'm comfortable talking to Mark Alford. He don't make me feel like I gotta kneel at a dark altar. His colleagues are cool, things are jolly and smooth. Anything else, it'll be part stupid and part awkward. Rick Smith is the 45th police chief of Kansas City, Missouri. He spent 29 years working his way up the ranks and now leads a force of 1,283. I got comfortable with Chief Smith on the plaza as we talked about being police chief and a poppy. I'll warn you right now, his laugh is infectious. That's a good laugh. Thank you, Chief Smith. Well, welcome. Getting comfortable with Mark Alford. Good to see you. Meet you finally. Nice to have me here. How long have you been on the force? 29 years. 29 years. Where are you from originally? St. Paul, Minnesota. Really? What brought you down here to Kansas City? The job. You just applied one day or what? I, I was going to the University of Minnesota and a friend of mine said, I'm going to go. He was finishing up his four-year degree. I was three years into it. Because yeah. I'm going to go apply at Dallas. And I said, oh, okay. He goes, you want to ride? Sure. And then he came back and goes, well, I'm not going to Dallas. It's too far. I'm going to go to Kansas City. And he goes, you want to go? And I go, sure. So <laughs> I got in the car and, and applied, not thinking that it would pan out. And So a road trip. Yeah. Three months later, I was hired. Wow. And how long you were just on the street, like normal crime and traffic stops or what? Yep. First to center, assigned to Central Patrol at uh, Windwood and Troost. Um, that's where I started. That's where I broke in, and that's where I was assigned right after break-in and spent a couple years there before I, I went to my first specialized unit, which was uh, tactical response. I spent six years there. Is that like the SWAT team? Yeah. Did you like that? Loved it. So it's the first... The adrenaline or what? Uh, you know, you work with six people every day, right? That wow. it's your—it's like your team. own personal team, right? And everything you do is in combination with these six officers and one sergeant. And um, how, you know, it's almost like I grew up with them, right? We we experienced all kinds of things from shootings to garden presidents to all kinds of things. And you know, we, it just. I really got to learn to be a good cop with the support of other officers around me all the time. And I, it was just a wonderful environment. Are they still on the force? Some are. Yeah. Um, What's that like being their boss now? <laughs> well, I, you know, I don't look at myself as the boss all the time. I think but you are. I, You're I, an authority I, over them. I, I do, but, you know, I... You know, I think some of it is how you project yourself, how, yeah. how, how you are, right? And, you know... The, they tend to call me chief now, and I tend to laugh when they do it, right? Because all these years they called me anything but a nice guy. So it, it, it is interesting, uh, but, you know, we still have the same relationship. I can still pick up the phone. We can still call and chat, and yeah. it's nice. Hmm. What do you like about being chief so far? Well, there's a lot to like. I mean, I, I got to tell you, Mark, I'm honored to be here. I, after 29 years and, and growing up in this organization, I, I – 
I am very honored to be picked to be in this position. I, I love this department. I think it has great people. I think we have one of the best police departments in the nation. Uh, so it just by having the job itself is is awesome. Um, going through the process not so awesome. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind tough. of going to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, but uh, the the to actually be in you know, to have some control and to have some sway and say, hey, I think these priorities are important. I think we should go not maybe away from these, but not emphasize this as much, blah, blah, blah. And kind of setting the overall mm. tone is is really neat. What tone are you, what's your vision? How do you want to make things different? How do you want to improve things? So I, I, when I told the board it was three things, set employees up for success, uh, work on the reduction of crime and neighborhood issues, and build strong and effective partnerships um, with the police department, with outside entities that will help this police department grow. So part of that is like social workers at the station. Yeah. Um, setting up employees for success is like getting everyone CIT trained, making sure all our officers are CIT trained. Uh, the reduction of crime What's and CIT uh, crisis intervention. Okay. So it's it's a real it's a. So you're it, not just going out there busting people. You're getting involved in their lives almost. Well, and the CIT thing is to help people who have. Uh, what we call emotionally disturbed issues, oh, okay. right? So it's how to deal with people to try and de-escalate things so you're not in a position where you have to use force. So, you know, it's really a, a, a great tool for officers to have in their toolbox to say, hey, how do we calm this down and resolve the situation? Has that been an issue in the past? Is that why we've seen, not just here in Kansas City, Missouri, but instances where the crisis has come about and because it wasn't, Maybe there's an opportunity to de-escalate, but it's turned out to be, in some cases, even deadly. Yes, it, it has been an issue. Um, and, and frankly, we've had an issue here in Kansas City that kind of spurred all this on. So, but the idea is, is that there's, there's some societal woes here, right? We don't have a mental health system anymore. The criminal justice system is a mental health system. If there's someone who's well, in mental crisis today, we are the answer. You know, they call 911 and say someone's having an episode, do something with them. It's not like they get put in an ambulance and, and taken someplace. The police are called, and then we try and get them help is what ends up, when that, how this ends up. But police up. aren't trained for that. You're well, not a mental health expert. We're not. That's why we're trying to get some exposure on how we can de-escalate things so we can get people to where the help they need without using that force. That's the whole key with this. How do you recruit young officers to do that? Because I would think, I mean, you look around and you go, I want to be a police officer, but maybe I didn't sign up to be a mental health professional. Yeah. I mean, how do you convince people to take the risk, take the disrespect that police are getting now, and to serve truly, it's almost like a ministry. It's a calling, I would say. I, I, I think it's pretty close to having a calling. I mean, you're never going to get rich doing this job. And like you say, you're going to take a lot of criticism for it. Um, I, you know, that's a hard part in recruiting, Mark, on, on all levels is we have great candidates. And those great candidates go home and tell their families, I want to be a cop. And they tell them they're, they're foolish. You know, mm. I don't. That's dumb. Don't do that. Why would you put yourself in that position? Why would you put yourself through that stress? Why would you be looked at negatively your whole career? Yeah, we have a lot of that. We fight that all the time. But still, on all of that, Mark, this is a, this is a noble profession with people out 
out in this uniform every day in Kansas City helping somebody. I could have a list as long as my arm today of the good deeds we've done in this city that will go unnoticed by most people, except for the people who are getting their tire changed or the per person that got help taken off the freeway or someone who was in crisis and we helped get their family member to, a, to a, an institution or a doctor or a, a center where they could start getting services. How do you get those stories out there? Because in all truth, the media is not going to tell those stories. Yeah, we noticed. <laughs> um, uh, we're trying, but, you know, people like negative news for the most isn't part. Isn't that the truth? I hate yeah. that. Yeah. But yeah. how do you get the... I guess social media helps to some degree. It does. We can control the narrative a little yeah. bit on the social media side. Um, but it is sad that... And it's not just like you say, this is everywhere. But, you know that the news that is generated in Kansas City frequently involves the police because we're there, right? Every murder, every yeah. shooting, every traffic fatality, everything, we, you know, it is the police department who is there and responds to all of it, and none of it is good news. Hmm. Wow. So recruitment is an issue. We, we continue to work on it. Today we work on it harder than we ever have been, I think. We, we're trying to do some different things. We're trying to leverage some colleges, Actually, we're trying to really look at some athletic programs. One of the biggest issues um, I think most people see, and I I don't know, I've seen it since I've been here 20 years, is uh, the racial divide in Kansas City. And a lot of people see it as a disparity in services uh, within the city, um, housing, addictions, um, People feeling like they're unjustly pulled over sometimes because of their skin color. Um, how do you, what plan do you have? How do you think we go about trying to bridge the racial divide here? Yeah, I, that's a really good question. And there's always, I think we're always looking a way to do that. So some of the things that, that we've done, uh, I don't know if you're aware, but when I was at the Center Zone Commander, I brought in a social service coordinator. And for the first time in our department's history, embedded the social service worker with the officers. Mm -hmm. So as we went out and made contacts with families and 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 people in stress, people who needed mental health issues, veterans, all that here we had a social service person say, "Hey, here's Tommy. Here's who we met on a call. What can we do for them? What can we help?" So I think as the police department goes around and tries to build the trust and to have the community say, hey, we're working with you in this. We're not working against you. We want what's best for you. Everyone wants to feel safe. Everyone wants their kids to be able to play in the front yard. Everyone wants people to grow up and prosper. I, you know, I think most people have more things in common than we have negative. The idea is how do we bring those common themes together? Well, and, and how do you build trust yeah. with people who, know, who, who have always seen... Not always, but have a lot of times seen police in a negative light because whenever they come to the house, there's trouble. Yes. There's nothing good. I, I agree with you. So how do you build trust in that situation? I, and, I, and, and every situation, we can't. I, I, I grant you that, Mark. All the people in this city, I don't think we can knock on every door and build that trust. But there has to be a personal touch at some point. Right? There has to be a good experience. There has to be a kid who comes up to one of the TAC demonstrations and a parent who's with him and for the first time sees that kid interacting with police in a positive light. Or they go pet a horse and, uh, who's on patrol. Or whatever the case may be, they meet him through D.A.R.E. Or they go to the PAL Center. Or you know they're at an open day at the academy. At, at some point, what we try and do is provide those opportunities for that positive touch. 
so that people see us in a different light, not just the time we come to their house because there's an issue. It's got to be disturbing to you. So you've, you've always been law enforcement, right? I have. I would think it would be very disturbing to you to see in our United States of America the level of disrespect towards police officers now. Uh, not by everyone. Uh, the number of officers killed in the line of duty. Uh, people who... It just seems out of control. It seems like, and, and, and maybe just because it's in the news now more than it ever has, but it does seem like we're getting assaulted more, getting shot at more. I mean, there were stories just on 71 Highway, what, two days ago, the officers getting shot up by someone they yeah. tried to stop. Yeah, it does seem much more prevalent. Um, and, and Mark, we, I think police as a whole have done a great job. I mean, we have, what, a million contacts in the city a year? A million contacts where we talk to people. I mean, that's for for the small amount of scrutiny we get for when we make a mistake. Overall, we do things very well in the city. But as again, as we go back, when we do something wrong, it's front page news, and it's not just one day; it's for days. Right, right. And I think you know, as you know, as as you're in the news business, you know that negative seems to stick with people way more than the thousand good things we do a day. How, how, how can the media do better to get the, not that it's our job to make you look good, yeah. but to get the truth out, to be accurate and to be fair? I, and I, I wish I had the perfect answer to that, but there are good stories out there. And like you say, at times we try and perpetuate those. We, we, we hold a news conference and it gets no legs. Right, and maybe the story isn't sexy. Maybe it's not, you know, the topic of the day. Whatever it is, I, I get all that. Um, and, and some of the things we do are pretty, what people would say, mundane for us. But to the person we helped, it meant the world. Right? It was the lady with three kids who was just at her wit's end, who just, you know, the day was falling apart, nowhere to turn. And here came an officer and said, "What can I do to help you?" we can make this better and we do or we show up to the family who's you know another one I just read the other day is you know they showed up and the three kids were sleeping on the floor and the officers went out and got three mattresses and you know pulled their money together to get three mattresses Isn't so it amazing how many kids and we deal with this with the Fox Hill Love Fund buying mattresses kids who are sleeping on wood floors yes every night in the winter yes in every Kansas night. City Missouri yes it's terrible well I, I Mark I can do I, I know a lady who's 85 who sleeps in her bathtub so she doesn't get shot in Kansas City, Missouri. So, you know, there's all kinds of work to be done in this city. Wow. There's no doubt that the police have a big job ahead of them to try and calm the city down. Is it gangs? Uh, I'm, I'm talking about the murders now. Because we have, what, 160 last year? 150. 150. Uh, up about 20% from the year before, something around there. Um, is it gang-related, or is it people not able to uh, resolve disputes effectively? What is it? Well, I always say that a lot of homicides have a lack of conflict resolution, right? Yeah. That people cannot, for, right. for whatever reason, they think that picking up a gun is the answer to someone stepped on my foot or someone cut me off in traffic or, you know, in our right mind sitting here having this discussion, we'd go, that's the craziest thing ever. But somehow at that point in time, that person actually works themselves up to that level, right? That's, yeah. that's what happens. And they can't calm themselves down for whatever reason. They just can't let it go. I mean, I'm sure we've all been in the car someplace and we're like, I'm going to flip that guy rather than just taking our foot off the gas and going, all right, yeah. they're gone. But, you know, it's... Uh, 
it, it's not all group violence. Actually, our group violence in Kansas City has gone down because NOVA tracks that. So we know that some... What do you mean group? Gang? Well, we call it group. Right. Because gangs has a connotation like it's bloods or crips everywhere or... or but they're organized groups, right? Or loosely, loosely organized. organized. Okay. Right. So you and I could grow up in the same block and knowing each other for 20 years. Now we're now in a group. Oh, you know, yeah. us and our four friends who used to play a kick crew. the can, right? And, and so, rather than called it a gang, we Got called it. a group. It's, you're not trying to be PC, though. No, 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 <laughs> no. It's just it doesn't always fit the term gotcha. of a gang, right? A do criminal we have, enterprise. We have gangs. Sure, we do. Here. Sure, we do. Yeah. What's, what's the worst gang we have here? Um, uh, again, you don't want to give them credit. It, no I wouldn't. Yeah. You're right. I wouldn't. But yeah. but I would say that. these are young people, and even if I told you the game name, it's changed three times because yeah. they they but didn't like the name. It's not the traditional East Coast West Coast gang activity that we had here in the '70s and no, '80s. It's not. Yeah. What about the Mexican drug influence? I mean, here we are at uh, I-35 and I-70, the intersection of America, basically. The drug cartels. Uh, uh, Human sex trafficking, human trafficking. Yes. It's a, getting to be a hotbed for that. Well, as you say, we intersect. You know, they, they come right through Kansas City. So we have, we have narcotics that we know are being moved through the cartels that come through the city. Um, we've stopped some of it. We've, we've engaged people and arrested people that we know track back to those, those organizations. Um, do I think we have an overwhelming problem like some other cities? We're not quite there yet. Um, and... Knock on wood, let's hope we don't get yeah. there. What is the biggest problem, uh, aside from murders, uh, uh, what's the biggest crime issue facing Kansas City right now? I think there's two things, actually. One that's pretty well known is the opioid crisis that I think mm -hmm. is going to head our way. I mean, we've already seen a slight uptick in, in heroin and fentanyl and things like that that we don't want to see. So I, I don't know how you stop a national trend like that, right? But um, we're, we're watching it very closely. We're watching our overdose, overdose deaths. Are and these from kids who get their parents' prescriptions? Some. Like a... Uh, like Oxycontin, pink or Oxycontin. Yeah. Yep, some is. So the other, the really bad one is the fentanyl. Right? It is, yep. And people lace other things with fentanyl. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's really, I mean, it's very deadly. So we have that. The other thing I would say in Kansas City that's a little more unique to our city is we just seem to have a city that's really built on a gun culture. And not so much. In, so when I grew up in St. Paul, Minnesota, I like to say on New Year's Eve night, I didn't know it was a thing to go shoot off your gun. I didn't know it. I, <laughs> I moved to Kansas City. That's I learned it. To do. Right. Unfortunately, and, people have been killed by that. Unfortunately. Bullets. But I guess what I'm saying to you, Mark, is that that mentality of shooting off guns here is much more pervasive than I think it is in other places. Well, it wasn't until, what, two or three years ago you could open carry. Oh, you can open carry. Kansas, you still can in Kansas City? Okay. I didn't know. Well, I'm not caring today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but, safe. That's good to hear. But uh, we had some, you know, some people down on the plaza a couple of years ago showing there's a whole society of open carry people. So it is a gun culture. I mean, this used to, if you look back at the history, uh, Wild Bill Hickok used to hang out here. And I don't yeah. know. How do you get Tommy guns, yeah. you know, back in Valentine's Day Massacre down at Union Station. Right. I mean, we do have a but reputation. How do you get rid of that? I don't, I, I don't think you do, do you? I don't know, Mark. I, you know, I tell people drunk driving used to be prevalent until yeah. a group of mothers got together and said, I'm tired of this, right? They changed the culture of a nation that, that had 
probably some negative aspects that we shouldn't have had. And m concerned mothers got together. I, I think it can be changed. I don't know that the police will change it. I think this will have to come as a societal change and maybe from someone other than a police department. I mean, we would, we would partner with anyone. We would look to help make that change and explain why we need it because people out here are dying and for the dumbest reasons ever. Um, and so we would help point that. I don't know that the police getting in front and saying it all the time that that will be the change that's needed. Gun buybacks not really work, do they? I mean, not, you get some guns, they're all crappy ones nobody wants. <laughs> the academic articles say that yeah. that's no reduction on violence. Hmm. So, you Stop know. Stop and frisk worked in New York. Uh, it did, I, but did it work because it was so negative, right? That's, yeah. that's the, I mean, if this was Nazi Germany, it'd work. Yeah. Right? We'd lock down everything, Everyone search right, everyone's yeah. homes. Yeah, who wants, who wants that? Nobody. So the idea is to keep this balance of how do you, how do you let a free society be and still police it within the, the, the constraints that society is going to allow. And I think that's what we saw in New York is right at to a certain point, people were just tired of it. Yeah. So is it? changing the hearts and minds of people and that's going to take a while I, I think it will take a while but i don't think it will ever take if we don't start talking about it yeah. right if people aren't start aware of how we act and how we act towards one another and for the reasons why we do it we need we need to start having that discussion like public service announcements or i mean through social media uh, I, I, entertainment uh I, rap i mean rap culture what I made the point to some of the educators in the area that it doesn't matter if our kids are graduating high school only to get killed later in violence. If we have them, isn't more important that while we have them in school, we teach them conflict resolution, that we teach them how to deal with emotions and feelings so it isn't just pick up a gun and shoot somebody. So I, I think there has to be, like you say, some systemic changes that more than just one group, the police, maybe the school system, maybe some faith-based, you know, there needs to be a holistic approach to this change in the culture. These uh, shootings in <clears throat> Florida just uh, on everyone's mind, I hate, I can't imagine what these families are going through. Uh, I haven't told you this, but my son, my, my nephew was murdered on Christmas Eve down in Dallas. Oh, um, terrible. I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so no one is immune to gun violence. Uh, but when you see 17 young people's lives wiped out uh, from some kid who apparently was on the radar and authorities knew that he was trouble and had a collection of guns and wanted to shoot up a school. Um, how do we prepare for something like that here in Kansas City, or is there any way to do that? I don't know that you can, you know, we we're having this discussion today in the PD, and the problem is, is in a free society where people are allowed to have guns, how do you go and pick which one is has the mentality to do it correctly, right? It's mm -hmm. the same thing with driving a car. We all know there's people out here driving a car that shouldn't be. Right? We know there's people who, A, shouldn't be driving or license revoked or they have substance abuse problems or, you know, they're mentally ill and they should just be behind the wheel. That doesn't mean they stop driving. And it's, it's the same thing with gun ownership in this country. There's no, there's no way to say, hey, you shouldn't and you should um, right now. And that's the issue I see is that w we have people who shouldn't have that much destruction in their hands, whether it's a car or a gun. Um, 
and and how do we how do we curtail that as a country? I don't know. I don't have the answer to it, Mark. I wish I did. I am you know I heard the father this morning on um, at the vigil saying his wife is broken and their daughter is lost and he absolutely has. I mean, how can someone's heart not break for that? Mm-hmm. And then unfortunately, uh, in a couple of months, uh, this may happen all over again. I mean, you look at the. Yeah. <clears throat> it, I don't know. When I, when I moved here 20 years ago, uh, it was right around the time that uh, Columbine happened. And you remember how horrible that was. It was like, how could that happen? That, and now it seems like it's a couple of times a year it happens. Yeah, that's true. I, I, again, I wish I had the answer. I, I don't know what the answer is. I think we're going to have to do a better job and follow up. I think, you know, one of the things we discussed is that, you know, law enforcement gets some cues. But then again, if we go knock on, on Mark's house and we know Mark's having a bad day and Mark's made threats, there's only so much we can right. do, right? I, right? I don't have the legal right to go through the house. I don't have the legal right to collect his guns and haul them out because they made threats. I, you know, I only have the right to ask. And say, hey, can we come here and help you? If, if, do you have guns? Do you want to give them to us? Do we want, you know, we can do all those things. But if the person sits on the front stoop and says, leave me alone, they haven't committed the crime yet if they haven't made the overt threat. It seems like it all goes back to the mental health issue, though, and finding for uh, getting people out into the community to make contact. People open up and they talk about their mental health issues, and we get services for people, not just in the urban core, but suburbia, too. I mean, there's just as much as messed up people in suburbia than there are in the urban core. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I'm a big advocate. We need to do more for our mental health system. I think the uh, government, federal government's going to start heading that way. That's kind of what I've heard from certain people, uh, and that money will have to trickle down uh, into departments like you guys. I know, all right, let me switch gears here a little bit, because I know it was a little bit rough with the mayor the other day on funding for the police department. <laughs> uh, of course, he's the lame duck mayor, so he's getting a little feisty. Um, you guys want an increase in, in funding for the police department. Why do you feel like you need that? Well, I think we already talked about 150 homicides a year. Yeah. Who gets called? The police. You know, our, our resources are strapped. I, you know, I, I felt like an increase of 30 officers was a very reasonable request. Um, from years total, we're, we're down 180-some officers from where we were. I asked for 30. Um, you know, our communication... You're down how many? We're down about 184 from where we were. And from how long ago? Uh, about, oh, it's been several years. At, at the top, we had 14, 1480-some, and we're at like 1283, I think, reported last month. Wow. So a lot of people are retiring, though. Yeah, but we always had a cycle yeah. to, you know, yeah. we know people are going to leave every year. That's yeah. not, that's nothing new. I, you know, we, we deal with that. We, we have a hiring streaming academy and we yeah. make sure we're filling, filling things. So but, you're asking for 30 more officers. I did. What else do you want? I wanted 21 dispatchers. And I think they're, they're settling on eight. Can um, you get the job done with eight? And that's a big difference. I think it's not always a question of getting the job done, Mark. We're getting the job done now. And those people down there are working mandatory 12-hour shifts. Well, so, that's not getting a job. That's wearing people out. Uh, you How can you do an effective job talking to someone in a crisis situation when you're half asleep? Not to say they are, but you're tired and you're 
I mean, that's a stressful job. Very stressful. I'd love to bring you down there sometime. Well, if you ever go. want to come down, you, you should see it. You should see their, their amazing people. Like, we, we had a room of us talking, cops who've been on the job for years, and they all said, I don't know that I could do that job. It is that stressful. Yeah. Um, you're getting yelled at on the phone every single minute because people are stressed out. They don't mean yeah. to be. They're just stressed out when they call. Um, it, it's a tough job. But if, if Mark calls in sick, someone, someone has to cover that shit. Right. You know, it, it's not like we can just say, hey, we won't answer that phone today. Because everyone wants a re quick response. That's correct. Response times are under scrutiny. So, so what do you, all right, so the mayor didn't want to give you all what, right. the money. So And, and that's, yeah. and that's pretty much how it goes in budget discussions. Yeah. You know, there's some give and take in every budget discussion. So I put forth what I thought was a reasonable request. The city came back and said, hey, we can't fund that. And want you to make cuts elsewhere to make up for the money, right? Well, I don't know what else we can cut. You know, that's when you've been cut at a certain point, certain things, you know, you there's nothing left to cut. I mean, you know, we have a PAL program going that's pretty popular with youth. You know, I get questions all the time. Well, how is the police going to engage with the community? Well, you know, if I cut everything out, we're right. not engaging with the community, right? We're not involved in positive aspects that we just discussed. How do we have those positive touches in the community, and how do we build that trust? Well, we did it, do it through PAL. We do it through Mounted Patrol. We do it some, through some organizations like this, and we want to have that. I think everybody wants the police department to have that. Mm. Do you have a citizens program? We do. We have citizens. How does that care. work? Uh, we have citizens sign up, and basically one night a week we go through different departments and have them present so people get a taste mm -hmm. of, like, homicide, of the tactical unit, of the crime lab, of communications, of doing a ride-along, um, what are some of the academy, you know, the driving track, the defensive tactics, all that stuff is thrown in, and, like, I think it's like a 12-week course. But there's not, like, a program for volunteers that can help out in, in the police department to maybe offset something? <clears throat> maybe some retired folks or ex-military? Sure. We have auxiliary officers. We okay. have people that volunteer. We have chemists and things that volunteer at the lab. We have people that volunteer that just want to be part of the organization. Yeah, we have it. Mm -hmm. And we welcome it. How many officers total do you have now? About 1,283, I think, we reported at last board meeting. Wow, 1,283. It's a big, uh, big job. It is a big job. Is it intimidating for you? Um, it was at first, I will yeah. tell you. Um, but since I've grown up here, so to yeah. speak, 29 years, I mean, it's not unfamiliar, right? Even though there's some things that, you know, sitting in front of the mayor and, and the board and, and hearing discussion about budgets, you know, there's things like that that you're like, wow, you know, could we do this different or things like that. But I don't know if intimidating is the right word. Um, intimidating is when someone's pointing a really big gun at me. That's intimidating. <laughs> Good point. What do you do for fun? Um, I, I love to fish. I, you know, I grew up in Minnesota. Love to fish. Like pike or what? Yeah, pike walleye. Walleye is my favorite. Um, That's good tasting, isn't it? Yeah, it's the best. It's the best. Um, so my my best day of the year is my father-in-law and I go to, uh, we've been going for 15 years to Lake Vermilion in northern Minnesota. And the first day there, we get a guide and we have shore lunch. And it's it's walleye, um, fried potatoes and onions, uh. and baked beans on the grill, on the picnic table, of the fish that he just cleaned five seconds before they went in the pan. And it, as wow. my father-in-law like to say, it's the best day of the year. And uh, so I really, I mean, we're sitting out in the North Woods, and there's, there's a couple boats that go by once in a while, but basically it's just us and the fish, and it's just, it's a wonderful time. Mm -hmm.
anyway, I, I like to fish. I like to read. I'm a big reader. I like to read. Really? What are you reading right now? Uh, 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 the Old Man and His Dogs, I think is the name of it. It's a fiction book uh -huh. I picked up at Sam's. Um, I like to read fiction. I like to read for fun to relax. Yeah. So at night, when I go to bed, um, I, I like to read something that puts my mind at ease, that allows me to close my eyes and not That's worry. That's what I need to do. <laughs> so, I watch too much cable news. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> it gets my heart up. I, I'm like, ah! I got to tell you, Mark, when I went through this job, I quit watching the news. You almost have to. Right, because, uh, you know, you're listening to what everyone's saying about you, and you're thinking, that person doesn't even know me. Right. And, and they're reporting me like they're my best friend, like they've been hanging out in my office all day. And so it, it really kind of got frustrating. I thought, why do I need this? So uh, about uh, early July or something, when I started going through the process, I turned it off, and now I just get my news on on my computer, yeah. and I read what I want, what I don't want, I don't read. You need to watch Fox 4 in the morning. Just to... okay, okay, so I have a great story for you. <laughs> okay. Um, working out in the morning, we go to South Patrol, and every morning is yeah. Fox 4 in the oh, morning. Thank you. So we watch uh, uh, every morning as the bomb and arson guys go down there, and we'd watch you guys every morning as we talk around the room. Um, so we've enjoyed you for years, even though okay. you, you haven't enjoyed us as out. much. Yes. We, did you know Bobby Irvin? Oh, yeah. At South uh, he was a yeah. great friend of mine. Uh, our kids grew up together, and he moved to Florida now, but he was yeah. a retired cop. I think he retired two years ago. Anyway, we used to ride motorcycles together, but he was out of South Patrol. Yeah. Really good guy. Really good guy. I've been impressed with, um, and not just because I'm on TV, but the overall friendliness with uh, Kansas City Police, because... Um, I've been in other cities where the overall impression is that it's a very hardline, very uh, non-communicative, just unfriendly force. But I think overall, the people I've met, not just because I'm on Fox 4, but uh, a genuine friendliness about the, the core. Well, I think we really instill in our people, uh, all our cops are residents of this city. Yeah, we're, we're, that helps. We're all in this together. Yeah. This is our city. I mean, it is not somebody else's. We all live here. We are part of it. We want it to be the best, absolute best it can be. And and, and I'm just telling you, Mark, and, and I get to see other departments. I get to talk to other department leaders. I'm, I get lucky that I get that exposure. And our reputation around the nation of how we police here, how we treat people. I mean, let's give an example about the Ferguson. I'd love to give this example. I was at East Patrol, which is probably our one of our most challenged divisions, yeah. right? Everything east of Prospect, basically. Right. Um, so I'm there, and the community interaction officer comes up to me and goes, Ferguson's going on, yeah, yeah. And Andy comes up and he goes, well, about a handful of neighborhood leaders have called and said, if they have any problems in the neighborhood, they're calling us, and they want the problem people arrested immediately. And I'm thinking, holy, what a difference. What a difference from St. Louis to Kansas City. Yeah, really. But what happened, Mark, is that's 30 years of relationships. That's mm. 30 years of working with neighborhood leaders. That's 30 years of being out in the neighborhoods working with people, not against them all the time. And we've been involved in great projects throughout the city. I could tell all kinds of things that, that we've helped people with, that officers have, have done on their own time, have gone out and helped people with their own money, have installed lights, have, have shown up and done all kinds of stuff, helped them pour concrete, all kinds of stuff, all in their own time. Hmm. And there's never a thing written about it. And, and people, you know, the amount of Christmas gifts that get bought, that, you know, it, it was funny because we did shop with a cop and you get, you know, a hundred bucks, 
Well, no right. one stayed under 100 bucks. You know, everyone at the end of the night is pulling out, oh, I got hit for 250 I got hit. Because they're just so dedicated and they want to do, they want to help so much. They go above and beyond constantly. So I, I, I don't want to sound like just the absolute cheerleader. I know we do some things we could do better. But I am telling you, day in and day out, this department does a great job. Tell me about your grandbaby. <laughs> You're going to go have... Playtime with her here in a little bit. Yeah, so Eleanor, I don't know if you saw, but when I got sworn in, she, she ran up to me and, and Poppy, Poppy, oh. and uh, yeah, it was awesome. So uh, I think my wife and I has decided that most people should just skip having kids and go straight to there grandkids. You, go. you know, you're, that. <laughs> you're a grand. I've got a little nephew I babysit. Uh, he and his little brother, who's just like seven months, anyway, last night, and brought back a lot of memories. I love kids. I don't like the baby throw up. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or the diaper changes. No, no. I didn't do that. I waited until my wife got home. Uh, uh, um, it's so funny because Eleanor, who's two, you know, will say, Poppy, you go upstairs. Gigi, you stay here. You stay uh, here. Poppy, you come with me. You know, it's just, she's she's a little bossy. Already but, ordering people around. Oh, yeah. Wow. She's good at it. <laughs> now, is that from your daughter or son? Son. Son. Yeah. How many kids do you have? One, one son. One son. Yeah. So it's it it's a lot of fun. I mean, it really puts life in perspective, right? Oh, yeah. it? Those are the kinds of things that make you go, "Why do you do everything?" Yeah. And it's because you want to have those times and 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 be able to share time with those who you know you love the most. But being chief now, your um, your time is more limited with your family, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. It's a little troubling. It's it's it, a little bit. I mean, yeah, but you, it you goes know, with the job. I know. Yes, but. and you know, I. I took this job because I want to be here, and I want—I I think I'm—I'm going to do a good job and help manage this this organization and help this city be the best city it can be. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. And I know the time that I've committed to here, things I have to have a different priority, and that yeah. priority is this job. Yeah. Um, every now and then, I get lucky and I get to, you know, get some set some time aside and spend it with my wife or with my granddaughter or whatever, and. Um, hope for the best. Yes. Rick, uh, Chief, sorry. Chief, thank you so much. And I, it's good to get to know you, and uh, I'm very happy that you're our Chief. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, and, you know, it's funny because when you watch someone, right, I, I know your humor, it seems like. You know, I remember the discussion about not wearing the tie and yeah. how some people didn't like that. You know, it feels like everyone in Kansas City knows the newscasters much more than, yeah. you know, you know all of us sometimes. So I'm comfortable talking to Mark Alford. He don't make me feel like I gotta kneel at a dark altar. His colleagues are cool, things are jolly and smooth. Anything else, it'll be part stupid and part awkward. Do your homework before you talk to a vet. That way you won't get no static coming from tech. I'm on my own planet. I'm in my zone, damn it.